Your hair is very cute, Sam. Yeah, it looks good. I washed it. Wow. episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies that we loved in our youth and find out if they're still any good. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. And I'm Pat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> what, that was awesome. gonna say, You're going to cut out what Ash said and then you're going to say, yeah, you're, you're going to go gonna, Jesus Christ you just ruined and it. no one's going to know why you were like cursing. Yeah. Not everyone's going to know that it. Ash talked all yeah, the right. way through me. my intro and through my godlike powers of editing the podcast, I erased oh, her from existence. Yeah. Leave that shaker noise in there, okay? Because... I'm enjoying these basil <laughs> bourbon smashes that I made with my homemade basil simple syrup today. Woot woot. I wasn't even going to drink today, but then I made the syrup and I was like, well, I can't not use it. You didn't bring enough to share? <laughs> I have three like bottles of it. I made way too much. So come by. Stop by after. Pat's been texting us all day with pictures of syrup. I'm going to do mint <laughs> this weekend, too. Um, okay. I love simple syrups. I bought special board. little bottles with those like those little like corks that like on the weird metal hinge. You know what I'm talking about? Like the corks. That yeah. Go, um, Send me your syrup porn. <laughs> <laughs> so no complex syrups, just simple syrups. Oh, who is that voice? Oh my gosh, there's another person here. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Please let's not talk about as- syrup porn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest as we do the syrup has gone to his oh. head <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we have the author of the Metcraft series of novels and the co-writer of the upcoming television series Finch and Skull and my uh, I, I don't know like, like kin comrade colleague co-worker on as far as Survivor. best publisher. friend Survival, well, survivor, <laughs> survivor of one publisher and current uh, comrades on the, on Black Rose writing, Brian Fitzpatrick. Welcome, hey. that's you. Yay! Here. So happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm for very coming. excited for today. I am too. Again. Just by just by this intro, I'm very excited. What the listeners don't know is that we had to reschedule, and that you were so kind that you didn't even want to bother us to reschedule because you had a water leakage going on at your house and we had to be like no man <laughs> oh. let's reschedule it's fine <laughs> yeah when you, when you we were talking and you're like well i'll do this we're at the hotel i'll figure it out and i was like wait what, what's going on like we had a pipe burst I'm like oh my gosh man we don't have to do this that night we can push it's okay <laughs> like get, the show get must go on home. yeah the show must go on the- <laughs> Well, I appreciate um, you guys rescheduling. So, most uh, considerate guest award. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> well, Brian, I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, I was kind of circuitous and rambling, but as I mentioned, you are par- with Black Rose Writing as your publisher of your novel series, yes. Craft. And I want to talk. And I, uh, thanks to you know our relationship, we're both uh, survivors, alums of the the first publisher that published our first books. Um, the other one, and you introduced oh, me to Black Rose. Oh, you were so both on the yes, other one, huh? The other one as well. And, oh. and Brian actually introduced me to Black Rose, and I'm very happy there, and I'm very grateful. But I want to hear. But I know you've had a really interesting 2021 professionally between the novel series 
and the Finch and Skull, the show you're working on. So can you tell us a little bit about those? Oh, absolutely. So um, actually, it began in 2020. I uh, Metcraft was released on the previous publisher, the sci-fi thriller, and someone coined the term perfectly. They said it was The Matrix meets Harry Potter. I was like, well, I, I'll live with that. I'll Whoa. take that. And I spent most of the early part of the pandemic finishing uh, Metcraft, the sequel, uh, Metcraft Disruption. And about that time, I was like, oh, well, I don't want to use the same publisher I had before. So I started, started hunting down new ways to publish. And I thought about self-publishing, but uh, Black Rose Writing stood out. And I they were actually, of my queries, they were the fourth. Uh, on my list and they were in my top favorites that I wanted and they accepted not only did they want the sequel, but they also wanted to republish the first book and I had just gotten the rights back. So I was more than happy to have them do it. So I pub so they were agreed to publish uh Metcraft and Metcraft disruption on May 4th, 2021. And I was like, great. What better day of for a sci-fi book than May 4th. So <laughs> Then come in uh, late December, early January, they put out the word saying, hey, we've got an open slot uh, for a November publication if you, if you have a, a something ready for us. And I said, well, I've got the outline for the third Metcraft book, Metcraft Cataclysm. Uh, but I said, I haven't written a word. And they said, well, if you can get it to us by March 1st, uh, we'll publish oh it God. this year. And I'm thinking, okay, that's uh, like seven weeks. <laughs> so, Oh, my God. So I, I didn't even blink. I just said, yes, I will get that to you. So I took, I had like some time built up from work, uh, some vacation time. My family, who was super supportive, uh, they just sort of cleared the schedule, didn't book me for anything. And I just wrote insane hours. And I had finished the first draft in about four weeks, sent it to my publisher, my editor, uh, who is a rock star. She cleared her schedule and got to my, got to my book right away. And finished it and got it back to me. So I had enough time to do one quick rewrite with her notes and get it, get it to Black Rose writing. And I got it to them on March 1st. And I don't Whoa. recommend doing that ever. <laughs> it was very <laughs> difficult. It was very difficult, but it was so worthwhile because now it's going to be published in November. Ended up being, uh, 10,000 words longer than the other books. Oh, so wow. you're going to. You're going to end 2021 with having three novels released in the in same the year. year. Oh my gosh, wow. that's amazing! Congratulations! I am so thrilled. That, thank you so much. And <laughs> this, you know, I don't, I, the backstory is: Metcraft began life as a screenplay. I'm, I'm mostly a screenwriter, and I won. It placed uh, quarterfinals in six different contests, and I got some meetings. And it got well received, but nobody was, nobody was buying it because it didn't have any fan base. That's what the answer I got told every time. So <laughs> a friend of mine in the business recommended, uh, converting the screenplay into a novel, publishing it to build a fan base. And he says, Hey, those agents and studios and production companies will come to you. I mm. said, all right. Now, well, at first I fought it because I was just like, I just spent years honing this script. I don't want, last thing I want to do is convert it to a novel. Are you crazy? But after I wiped away the tears, <laughs> um, I got to work and I'm so happy that I did that. And so my goal is really to see Met Metcraft as a series or on the big screen as a trilogy. Wow. That's, that's, that's really the end game. Does, are you seeing a fan base picking up? That's okay. awesome. Yeah. Not as, I don't have the, uh, the budget to really market the way I want to. 
but I'm hoping that'll change uh, in the next few months. Uh, but I am, I, I have a following across the different social media platforms of about maybe 14, 15,000. Nice. So it's, it's picking up. Um, as I've read the first one, it's a lot of fun. I mean, oh, if you just hey, want thanks. like some good, like a, you know, it's got, it's got what you want. It's, it's got action. It's, it's got interesting characters. It's got an interesting concept. It's got that great, you know, you want kind of like, oh, that's an interesting, like the conceit, right? There's always like with the sci-fi, what's the conceit? What is the, what is the, the mechanism? What's kind of the, the key sci-fi element here? And you kind of build around that. And I don't know how much, if you want to tell, tell people what that is or just let them figure it out. Cause it's pretty cool, but and it's like, here is, like, you're basically taking this, like, here's this concept, this type of ability or technology, this exists now, put it in the world, and then it's like, what kinds of crazy shit are people going to do with, with that, with that ability? That mm. That's awesome. Yeah, essentially, yeah, Metcraft is sentient nanotechnology that is injected into certain people, and they, begin, they form a telep- telepathic connection to the uh nanotechnology itself and they can summon it from their skin into being into being like the poster behind me they can uh create uh it's like liquid metal like think of terminator 2 the liquid metal guy from that and they can form it into any shape or weapon or tool they can imagine so Mm -hmm. there's a whole secret society in los angeles waging war over the best use of this ability and enter our main character, who is the first person ever born with this nanotechnology embedded in his DNA. Everyone oh. else had to go through rigorous injections and science, sciencey stuff. And he comes out born with it. Everyone thinks this guy's going to be a wild card. We don't know what his powers are going to be. And sure enough, he has powers like nobody else. Wow. That's awesome. One thing that's really cool is the, the villain who is basically an obsessive cult leader. Her name is Sasha and in the late 2019 a rock band from new jersey reached out to me and said hey we love your character we love your book we love sasha can we write a song about this and i was like how many books get a song written about them except for lord of the rings and <laughs> so i jumped on it i said yes please do and this year um february 12th of 2021 the band chemical straitjacket released their third album called dark progression and the opening song is tendril and blade which is the metcraft song oh that's Whoa, so cool that's so it cool it is it is a hard driving crazy good i was like the song is amazing wow i was so humbled and so honored to that they did that yeah, how cool would it be that you cool. get to make the movie and then you like get this you put the song in it you know like it just all comes <laughs> right full uh, circle. like the trailer too or something uh, yeah it'd be so cool uh, it would be um, it would be outstanding dream come true dream come true very very cool well speaking of dreams fighting, come true yeah tie us oh, tie it in tie it in speaking of this well Allow me to make the first of what I'm sure is going to be many jokes in this vein of, I don't know how we're going to do this episode, y'all. I don't think we're going to talk about it. How can we talk talk about about it? it. You can't. It's literally against the rules. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Podcast over. Two of them. Yeah. Bye. All right. Nice talking to you guys. Brett, what's your funny (laughs) movie title? Next. Join us next week when we watch. Um, No, we are watching Fight Club. Which was it it was a movie poll uh, that we did. We haven't done a poll in a while, guys. So Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, everyone who participated. And I have to say, I was shocked. Uh, Big Fish came in second. Totally thought that Children of Men would be in second. Not that Big Fish. I love Big Fish, too. But I was like, whoa. I feel like Children of Men, whenever I bring it up, (laughs) people are like, I never saw that. Really? Oh, it was it was totally a filmmaker. Yeah. Children of Men was like a filmmaker movie where like if you were in film school when it came out, everyone went and saw it. Uh But uh, but it was close, guys. It was Fight Club was thirty three point three percent, which feels so Fight Club. And Big Fish was twenty nine point two percent. Dang. All right. Pretty close. I didn't vote for either of those. I voted for Big Fish. I actually oh, voted I in I've, one. Look at me. Nice. I'm, Using Twitter. Brett and I were very good. We didn't try to influence the, the you polls. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I, please, <gasps> I wasn't. I guess I shouldn't speak for Brett. I didn't. I didn't try to influence the vote. Like not in a way we could see the whole thing. <laughs> Imagine Pat's like on next door. Like, hey, neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm next door. <laughs> I went hey, door Twitter to door neighbors. in my neighborhood. Like, can I see yeah. your phone? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine anything worse. Yeah, I, reached out to all, I reached out to all my friends and I said, I, I can't talk about it, but you should go to this poll and vote. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So, uh, well, Brett, you're the, yeah, you're the, you got some stuff I got, for us to talk about. I, I got all that stuff but the hostess uh, with the mostest no i guess the 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 question question one is uh why fight club what uh oh yeah brian you brought this suggestion yes you brought this to the table it comes back to me Mm -hmm. well i love that your podcast is essentially a rewatch of something a little older and to see if it holds up and my experience with fight club is i saw it in theaters by myself on a work day, I had gotten off a little early and I went cruise down and watched it, and I, my mind was blown. This is 1999. I'd never seen anything like this, wow. and I did not see that the twists, and I couldn't believe it. Then I that same day I saw that it was based on a book. I was like, "Well, wait a minute." So I went and grabbed the book the same day and read it continuously until I was done. And it was probably the only time in my life where I feel. For me, the book and the movie are equally strong, even though they are almost completely different in areas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Some stuff I was very I, different. I was satisfied with both. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so I, when you guys, when, when you guys invited me to the show, I was like, well, what could, what movie could be a good rewatch? And that was one of a few that I had in mind. It's an excellent pick. Yeah. Also, the whole theme. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Say, great pick. Yeah, the author is a Portland author, too, so extra special for us. Wow, there we go. Oh, I didn't know that. The theme we did for the poll that I don't think most people picked up on was book adaptations, you know, book-to-screen adaptations. So that was the theme. Because I think a lot of people were like, this is wild, these choices to put against (laughs) each other. (laughs) Fight Club versus Big Fish. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um. It's funny that we're already comparing the book and the movie because it's uh, my first my first good trivia fact before we get into the, some of the other stuff was that uh, uh, Chuck Palahniuk uh, actually says that he thinks the movie's way better than the book. Whoa! Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> wow. Um, so this is 
will be watching the uh, the authorized best version. No need to read the book then. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I have to say, it, you know, it it is amazing how uh, David Fincher was able to visualize so many of the things in the book. Having gone back and read, it, I was like. How was he able to do that? And it just pulled it off so well. Yeah, there's a I'm lot of crazy visuals in this. Um, a lot of my a lot of my notes are for for oh. other parts of the show about the visuals, but there's a whole bunch of like nifty <laughs> CG stuff. Um, the uh, the opening scene of the film uh, is a uh, a long CG thing that they actually budgeted separate from the movie. Uh, that apparently they only got approved to do the intro the way they did after the rest of the movie was cut and the studio was like okay fine you can have the money for that uh, wow nice. interesting i want to give you one one trivia fact before we do money game uh because i think it'll change your thoughts on on what you guessed for the money game here uh but the uh well are the, we gonna talk about the cast too oh oh yeah well okay yeah we'll do cast yeah cast first okay i don't have my list up i should be doing it uh, doing my little checklist <laughs> okay Cast first. Cast and crew. Who's in it? Who didn't? It? Uh, um, obviously, it? Some, Chuck. Some Palinic. guy named Bradley. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Chuck Palahniuk, author, director, David Fincher. Already discussed. Uh, yeah, we got Brad Pitt. We got Edward Norton. We got mm. Alana Bonham Carter. Alana? Oh, really? Helena? Yeah. <laughs> Helena. Wait, Ash, have you seen, is it been, have you seen this? Yes, I've seen this. I just don't. I didn't remember that she was in it. She was almost several different actresses. Hmm. Uh, I mm. think she was the the backup. They were gonna try and get um, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, weird choice. Oh really? no! Uh, and they actually no, that was no. like we want you in this, and she's like, "This is too dark for me." Yeah, <laughs> accurate. Yeah, which is interesting because she did Virgin Suicides, which I mean that's pretty dark. Right, but like I think it's a character. I think if you thing. asked Reese Witherspoon now, she would definitely probably be more in line to do it. Yeah, versus mm. her back in 1999. Agreed. Also, the character is a little gritty for her. I feel. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to picture some of the lines that that character says <laughs> coming out of Reese Witherspoon. It would be weird. And it's like <laughs> I can't. It I would, can't even. It'd be very discordant. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Meatloaf, right? Yeah, we got Meatloaf. Really? Meatloaf's in this. What? As mm -hmm. a, uh, as not a main character, but very close. Uh, okay. He's his name guy. is Robert Paulson. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's Meatloaf? Thanks, Pat. Uh, and then Jared Leto? Really? Yep. Uh, Why must be a young right. baby? I forgot. He's too fucking blonde. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. The, pre he's the pretty one. <laughs> what? Oh, interesting. And I could say other names and you wouldn't know who they were uh, because it's kind of a small movie. Like for the number of actual people on screen and involved in the plot, it's kind of just camera on uh, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and uh, Helen Bonham Carter the whole time. Mm -hmm. mm, mm -hmm. So a little a little claustrophobic act acting wise. But uh, I, I think we'll see, we'll see why that is. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the cast. That's uh notable people um and then okay and then before money game the uh the fun fact about the production of this is filming lasted 138 days they had 
Over 300 scenes shot on 200 locations and 72 sets. And they used 1,500 reels of film, which is apparently twice as much film as is normally used on a production of this size. Uh, So they did a lot lot for this. (laughs) What was the shooting ratio, I wonder? Like, is that because they did a lot of takes or there's just a lot of shots? Um, I know some of the scenes, uh, some of the trivia that I didn't include, uh, there was a a few shots that were like 20, 21, 22 takes (laughs) where Jesus couldn't get it quite right. So, um, interesting. Okay. Cause like, I feel like an average shooting ratio with film is like five takes, I think. Mm. Um, so that is a lot. They spent almost half a year just filming it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. There was one time shortly after the movie came out during the press kits, uh, Brad Pitt was quoted as saying um, that this was the best film he will ever make. Now, I wonder if he still thinks that, but I thought that was pretty interesting at the time. That is interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> with that in mind, money game. Uh, money yeah. game. Brian, money game is probably what it sounds like. We're going to guess how much you think the budget of the film was. And sometimes we just do what was the worldwide gross. But I think this one's interesting with the opening weekend numbers as well. Uh, So opening. We don't do that usually. Brett, you're spicing things up. (laughs) Is it our anniversary? We will start with uh, the budget. Okay. You have to guess the budget. I mean, that's that's really going to ratchet up my guess. That trivia. I appreciate terms. that. I mean, it's got yeah, but, terms. Brad Pitt, and they were eyes on Reese Witherspoon. And I'll give you, I'll give you one more us. too. I didn't write down the actual number, but Brad Pitt got paid like five times as much as Edward Norton to be in this. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna wow. guess. I'm gonna say eighty million. That's what I was gonna say. Oh! <laughs> <Literally>, exactly. <laughs> I read your mind. I stole it. Uh, you got to keep in mind. How much of a dick do I want to be? How many years ago it was? Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's CG Don't. and live action. And I'm just trying to so throw I'm all wrong, start guessing. Is all what the he just no, said. Yeah, once people say, start guessing, you're not allowed to color it, Brett. I'm, I'm going to say 55 million. 55. You said 55 that million? seems low, but yeah, but that seems low. But I think in that, in that late 90s era, that was high for mm-hmm. that kind of movie. I'm just thinking about that time. Sam, would you like to go? Or do you want me to, you want me to go? Would you like to go? Do you have an idea? I'm going to guess 62 million. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pat, pat, pat. I'm going to cut Ash off. 81 million. Oh, oh you jerk. Uh, well, <laughs> Brutal. that would put Brutal. Sam is the winner. 63. Woo! Wow. Wow. There you go. Nice. Wow. All right. Yeah, I felt like eighty was high, but you said the the film, the like the amount of film and the amount of time. I was like, dear God, yeah, Yeah, it's so much, right? (laughs) Yeah, it almost seems like to pay all of those people for all of that time, it would have been more expensive even than the sixty. But Mm -hmm. all right, so we're just gonna do both of these at once. No, maybe not. Let's do opening weekend. Opening weekend. How did this? How was this Mm. received? When did it's, it open? It's either got to be terrible or amazing, the fact that you're adding opening weekend, and we never do opening weekend. It's either got to be 
stupid good or well, it's bad. Like, yeah, what is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, did it have all the hype and then people stopped caring about it? Did it have no hype and yeah. then it was big, or did it have like hype and then it was phenomenal? There's three options here, Pat. Well, we know <laughs> it didn't do terrible and then terrible. Uh, oh yeah, terrible well, and terrible. To, too. The book had to have been. Mm-hmm. It came out in October, by the way, Sam. I just okay. looked it up. Uh, oh, it says September um, on my thing, but whatever. Those are close. Anyway, later oh. in the year. Yeah. But the the so the book must have been successful enough for them to make a movie out of it. The book was 96. So there was a fan base. Mm-hmm. All right. So it was such a popular book that they made this movie three years later. Released this movie three years later, which means... Filmed it for half a year. That's... <laughs> Yeah, six months of that. So, like, within a year, they had this plan to be a film. So, it must have been a pretty big book. I'm going to guess opening weekend, 80 mil. Wow. Next. I'm going with 65 because Sam (laughs) took mine and I'm taking hers. (laughs) Brian, do you want to go? Well, I remember, if I recall, they had a real problem with the marketing. They did not know how to market this movie at oh. all. It was cashing in on, on Brad Pitt's sense. name. And that makes sense. If I recall, it did, it did dismal, and I'm going to say $13 million. <gasps> I want to say $3 million, but I think that's too low. I think it was 30, oh, maybe like $13 this is million. Opening weekend, opening. I'm going to say 30 Okay. Okay, so uh, they did have a problem advertising the film in that David Fincher uh, wanted to advertise it a specific way and had a full campaign ready to go. And the, and Fox was just like, we don't like that. And so they made, yeah, a oh, bunch no. of Brad Pitt centric advertising. And, uh, but the bulk of the advertising was focused around the fights and the trailers were just fights from the movie, which isn't really mm. a big part of the movie, actually. Uh, and a lot of the trailers Sorry. played during just UFC fights on TV. <laughs> and oh, no. uh, David Fincher was pissed uh, because due to that shitty advertising, they did only make uh, 11 million opening. Wow. <gasps> oh, Brian. Good job. Brian. There it is. From downtown. There it is. It was brutal. Brutal opening. Wow. Right? So then was world... Okay. Or gross. Is that what you're... Is next? Is gross? Also, also, there's this thing where, uh, I guess, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, this is back when she was uh, had her show, and I guess she went on her show and uh, had a spe- did a whole thing on the movie and was just like, hey, I went and saw that movie just randomly this weekend, uh, and it was horrible, and then proceeded to spoil the <gasps> whole ending for everyone. <gasps> Rosie, oh no. my god! Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot she did that. Oh my god! Just so uh, this movie had a little bit to be a real gem. Stuff working against <laughs> it here, uh, but yeah, worldwide, mm. worldwide, uh, gross, right? I mean, it had to be or successful. opening weekend, <clears throat> uh, worldwide total. Okay. Mm. Uh. 125 130. Okay. Uh, Worldwide, I'm going to guess it only clocked in at 60 mil. Brian, take us home. Ooh. I think it was about 90 mil. Brian, you're killing it today, but uh, they got 100 off of this one. All right. Nice. Dang it. And they considered a loss. (laughs) All them. Yeah, certainly they spent more money at the end of the day than they made. Really? 
Interesting. Hmm. Did it ever recoup in like uh, you know DVD rentals? I feel like it had to. It was a sta- big, the cult standing yeah. it is in now. It probably has made money, yeah. but that's uh, not the numbers they give you on Box Office Mojo. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, usually yeah. The ad- I mean, I would say this movie is elevated to like a cult status, a cult film status now. Oh, totally. I mean, this movie is one of the few movies that they use in film school that they're like, you know, this is an example of good work type of thing. It's got a lot of really cool cinematography, if I remember correctly. Just like the visuals are, Mm -hmm. uh, they stand out. Yes. It made Fincher one of my favorite directors. Mm. He's very good. So I've got uh, not a lot of trivia, uh, but some fun ones here. Um, Apparently, the author, uh, Chuck Palahniuk, came up with the idea because he was beaten up on a camping trip when he complained to some nearby campers about the, their noise. <laughs> uh, oh, and no. when he got back to work, he had a black eye and was all busted up and no one at his work asked him what happened to him. Uh, <gasps> oh, they were like too awkward. Like they just, it was too uncomfortable to even talk about it. Wow. Yeah. So very Portland. Um, and it, he's, he says, uh, yeah, right. Super Portland. Uh, he but he beat said, up on a camping trip and then everyone at work is like, this is normal. Yeah. Right. This <laughs> is another fight in the woods. Hey, reason number thousand. Don't go camping. I, I don't Just get don't. it. Yeah. I don't. What? I don't get Camping's it. Great. Why is it. You guys spend so much money on the equipment to, to just get, you're going to put a ton of time and energy and effort and money into almost getting the feeling of just being at home. Like, well, it's I have just spent, like, at home. like, no money on equipment. It is just all things people have given me. I just feel like you can oh, take okay. all the constituent parts of camping and do them separately, and they're way better. Like, just going outside? <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> do I want to cook o- over a fire? Do a little barbecue? Heck yeah. Uh, but, like, mm. spending the night outside? <laughs> I go, like, you want to go shit in your own backyard? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Uh, but yeah anyway that bizarre non-interaction uh palinic concluded that the reason that people reacted that way is because if they asked him what happened uh, a degree of personal interaction would be necessary and his workmates simply didn't care enough to connect with them on a personal level which is super the theme of this whole movie uh for sure wow i remember at least that was really heavy in the book where it's just like uh, it kind of had a uh, plus the toxic masculinity. Yeah, the toxic masculinity thing. I mean, and the uh, American Psycho. Yeah. Like, do I even exist? Like, does anyone even notice anything about me? Kind of vibe. So. I mean, this movie is the the mess. This is movies like bro bro Hall of Fame movie, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is. I'm. And we, I don't want to. See, I know we're not at predictions yet. I'm a little more. Uh, I'm. I'm a little. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like cautious, uh, skeptical, you know, like, I don't know, because I, in my movie, in my mind, I lumped this movie in with like Boondock Saints. It's like, I love this when oh, I was no. a, a teenager and in college. Bro Pat loved this movie. So, uh oh. Bro Ash did as <laughs> well. And now I'm really worried. <laughs> <laughs> there is some elements of this movie that, uh, I, you know what? I, uh, this is, have slightly veering into my predictions, but I don't think 
I'm not so certain that the, that the movie will have aged poorly, uh, as our perceptions of why we liked it have aged poorly. <laughs> I think it might still be good at the at the end of oh, it. Oh, interesting. You might hate who you used to be after watching it again. Oh, <laughs> hmm. like like That's... why you like why you like it and what you get from. Yeah, it. this is going to be it's, like uh, it's kind of like if you think Brad Pitt is the hero. That's that's the wrong play. You didn't get it. And if you watch it, if we watch it now, we're gonna say, "Oh, I love this because Brad Pitt is not the hero." Kind of idea, I think. Mm. Yeah, something like that. The the bro versus non bro attitude <laughs> about watching it, I guess. Yeah. Um. Let's see other other trivia's. Oh, also, apparently, most of the uh, the specifics stuff of the movie. All of it was true, and uh, from stories from uh, Chuck Palahniuk's friends and, and uh, stuff that he's done in his life. Wow, the soup. <laughs> uh, Wait, like it, meatloaf? The soup is wasn't true? specifically oh, the soup. Oh god, mentioned, the soup. but like a lot of that montage oh. chaos uh, apparently actually happened. Uh, the uh, examples noted were the splicing frames of pornography into family films. Uh, <laughs> Or uh, attending the support groups for the terminally ill, or the scene where they erase videotapes at the video oh. store. All right, last trivia, uh, just because it's fun, and then we can g- g- get into predictions. That scene in the movie the, where uh, Ed Norton punches Brad Pitt in the ear, uh, he actually punched Brad Pitt in the ear. <laughs> oh, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think I've heard that. Yes. I feel like I've heard that. So that's like a real reaction. Yeah. When he's they, like, oh, why the ear? I think that's <laughs> a real. <laughs> so look out for that. That'll be fun to see. I um, love that. But uh, I love knowing that. Yeah. Let's roll into memories and predictions. What do you remember about this from your past? And how do you think it's what was going to happen today? Uh, who wants to kick it off? Ash, you want to you want to go? Sure. Um. Now that I'm thoroughly really scared <laughs> about my, I was going to say like, guys, I don't know how much we're going to have to say because this movie is fantastic. And I think it's like a great movie. And now I'm like, uh oh, kind of thought about or forgot about the toxic masculinity, masculinity, the little problem. Masculine. They do masculine in this? Ma- masculinitus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my, my memory of this film is from film school. It was one of those films that, like, you know, I said that they showed us in class, but it's possible that it was just one of the films that, like, everyone in film school was like, you have to watch this. And maybe it was just like, you know, when you went to film school, the things you would get bullied for were if you had not seen some cinematic masterpiece, you know. Um, So I saw this. In film school. Had I mentioned film school? Just, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I went to Harvard. No, just kidding. I didn't. Um, but I remember loving it. Like, I thought it was so great. Like, I, I don't know how I uh, lived so long and no one spoiled the ending for me. Thank God. Um, so that was great. So I, I didn't see the twist coming either, I don't think. Uh, and I just love... You know, I remember seeing this and I feel like I saw Seven pretty close, you know, like to seeing this movie as well. And David Fincher just has like this really unique style and he's he's so interesting as like a storyteller. So I think I'm going to enjoy the film. I am 
very concerned, though, because you listed a lot of things I do not remember. And I do not think I've seen this film since then. Um, so, yeah, a little slightly concerned now. I, I'm hoping it's not going to be a Boondock Saints moment again, where I'm like, I fucking love it. And then after we get back, I'm just like ashamed of myself deeply. <laughs> I don't think so, though. Right? It, God, I hope not. <laughs> whatever might be wrong with this movie, there's no way it's as problematic as the Boondock Saints and what was wrong with that movie. Uh, which, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah. We talk about it. So listeners are familiar, but Brian, if you haven't watched the Boondock Saints in a while, do you remember, do you remember what happens in that movie? I'm going to be really bad and admit that I have never seen that movie. Ah. Okay. Well, don't okay start now. It. Don't don't start now. Really, the, hero, the heroes of, of the movie I are. Uh, who say it's the best. It, they it's, are religious terrorists. <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh, well, uh, now I have to see. Now I have to see it. Here's it, the thing: is Willem Dafoe is like a national treasure in that film, but is also problematic to yeah, trans Nick, people. Nick so it's which was a whole other thing we didn't cover. That, like, oh, uh, okay. it could be, yeah. It's all sorts of, like, it, bro, male, toxic, all sorts of stuff. It, I think just our episode, though, it goes on, like, the Hall of Fame is, like, the biggest change in, mm-hmm. like, tone from the first half to the second half ever. Yeah, it was. Oh, man, I, I'm um, going to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the, but, the tragedy of it was that we watched it, like, two days after the uh that new zealand shooting uh where the shooter like filmed himself and then that happened in the movie and we're like oh fuck like this was a bad just everything about this is bad but uh the the overall like like plot like the idea of the movie is these guys decide who is good and who is bad and they're gonna go kill the bad people but then it pull like it brings into question like who are they to decide who's good and bad and are they really good people and like and then it really <laughs> but starts those are to questions get that the movie doesn't terrible. actually ask you at all <laughs> no 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 no, no. <laughs> it just assumes you're on their wow, side okay um yeah. yeah so that's why it's problematic the the main the main highlight <laughs> is that <laughs> uh, oof but uh mm-hmm. anyway so they don't blink they don't even address it in any way no <laughs> no and some of the characters do really shitty things and you're like this is not a good person <laughs> so okay <laughs> anyway sorry listeners who's already had to struggle and listen to us talk about this every time we bring it up <laughs> that's like our own personal show ptsd here is just like that's the one where we can't yes. get over <laughs> it sounds like it it sounds Tragic. Well, just because, just because Ash and I were uh, super, we were so like, excited, hype, like, oh, I love this movie, and then we come back with like our tails between our legs, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I we never want that to happen again. Um, I'm so scared. Yeah, I don't think but, this will be it. Yay! What do you think, Sam? Yeah. Um, so I only have seen this once, and it was in college. With Brett when we broke into a hotel underage in Reno just to watch movies together. Um, you were doing your own project mayhem. Wow. <laughs> it was a whole ordeal. Um, we didn't break in, break in, but Brett. Yeah, what story are you telling? Brett's 
mom booked us. Uh, oh, you're walking it back. You're walking it back now. <laughs> I, we didn't break it, but we did have to sneak in because Brett's mom booked us a night in a casino in Reno, but we didn't know that they wouldn't let anyone under 21 check in. We were only like 18, 19 at the time. Oh. So we had to literally do Home Alone. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We're like, no, our parents are just driving separate. They're going to check in, and they're but they're way behind, and it's going to be dark. And they were like, okay, you promise? And we're like, yeah. And that was what, anyway, <laughs> thrilling story. Um, nice. I liked it at the time. Oh. It was quirky and weird, but it had kind of a a charm about it. I don't know. I I did I did like it. So it was um, the Zoe Deschanel of movies. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, kind of <laughs> in a more uh, punk rock sort of way. You know, that's not bad. Helena <laughs> um, like Bonham fe- Carter kind of. It was probably the better actress to use there, right? I can never say her name right. Whatever it is. What Miss Bonham Miss Boneham? Boneham Carter. Have more. Um, I I really don't remember much. My main memory of it is the ending. Um, and the Pixies song. That's the only part that anyone remembers. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh I feel like we don't pay enough attention to the fact that Reno and Casino rhyme. And <laughs> Reno's a city full of casinos. Pat, shut it down. They're Reno casinos. <laughs> <laughs> Reno casinos. What is Stay happening? On target. Stay on target. Stop. I want to go to a Reno casino. Fired. <laughs> I just, the phrase Reno casino isn't playing through my head. <laughs> uh, Brian, what? At the Reno oh. casino. Good. Oh, go see, here we go. Now we got Vegas in there. Brian, you want to tell us what you uh, thought? I got derailed. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when this, see, I, I'm, I'm far, far older than all of you. I sounds like, because I saw this what? in the theater. You in look first 21. Run. Are you kidding? <laughs> Dude, um, I, I add, oh no, I had many years onto that, but, um, <laughs> when I saw it in theaters, I just, well, I was compelled by the, I, even though the marketing was terrible, I saw the ad and I said, I have to see this. And it was nothing like the ad, of course, which was great. And I was blown away. I just couldn't believe they were addressing these things. Like, uh, at back then, you know, 20 something Brian was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I was, I was told I would be a rock star. I was told I'd be a movie star and I, it didn't happen and I'm pissed. Just like Brad Pitt said that whole thing. And so I connected and I didn't realize he really was addressing the toxic masculinity he was holding up to a spotlight saying look this is bad and this is dangerous look at what look how far i can push this and just this so i think in my memory of it i was like awesome it was amazing and then i think it the way it's going to hold up i feel that our when we come back from this we're going to be saying at least this is not boondon sakes this one did hold a spotlight up and and show us how really sinister that toxic masculinity can be as well as just a, in a way, a kind of a quirky, sweet love story. Do I dare say mm-hmm. <laughs> given the end of it, <laughs> do, I, do I dare go on that limb? I think that's but I fair. Thought the acting dare. was superb. I thought everything was, you know, it had, this movie has everything it has a, has a penguin that slides. I mean, it has everything. What? Yeah. A penguin? 
is God, a penguin. I do not remember yeah, the. Oh, I do oh, not remember wait, the penguin oh, just, either. Just, just wait. Yeah. Ah, I have a confession too. Uh oh. What's this that? is actually my all-time favorite movie. <gasps> no, Ryan, what did oh, you do? No, you risked it. This, this movie. is danger, was... danger. <laughs> this you, is not good. I've oh, seen this buddy. movie probably close to 30 times, maybe. Oh, okay. Well, then Just you're because, making me feel okay, better have, about it. <laughs> maybe 40, because I don't, the writing is so solid, the directing is so solid, and the acting is so solid. And, the, and I, I, was, I, I love that I didn't see the ending coming. The twist. Mm. I, I love that they got me. So anyway, that's my that's my spiel. I feel like we need to make you sign a waiver that says if I bring my most favorite <laughs> film to the table and you ruin it for me, I will not hold you liable for financial <laughs> <laughs> damages. Because like, we have yeah, ripped we back, some people's back, favorites to shreds, man. Yeah, and it is painful. If we come back and you, oh, see, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> but you made me <laughs> feel better like, at the same out? time. Cause you were like, you're like, but I've seen it 30 times. And I was like, okay, well then it must be good. Right. Cause he's seen it there. He clearly remembers. Well, now let's, <laughs> let's not get carried away. <laughs> let's uh -oh, save that uh -oh. judgment for afterwards. Okay. Um, you guys might look at me with a whole different, uh, you know, eye after this. You've seen this 30 times. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why is your wife still with you? <laughs> She does not like the movie. Oh, uh oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Because she thinks <laughs> it's a bad movie, or because it's just not her taste. It's too. It's for her taste. It's a little too violent. She gets why I like it. She understands why I like it. I am optim. I'm overall optimistic. I mean, cut to the chase. I think it's going to be a net positive. <laughs> everyone. Uh, I think it's going to be, we're going to enjoy it. I think there's going to be a few things to maybe call out. I think all, all, all in all, it's going to be a, a good time. Uh, there's going to be a lot of really pretty, juicy movie-making stuff to discuss. And also, Brian, it's one of those things where we're, we're definitely in the mindset where you can still enjoy a movie that has some a, f a few pieces here and there that don't hold up from like a problematic as long as you're like acknowledging like i love blade runner but there is a really 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 problematic moment in that movie um but and so it's like as long as you acknowledge that um and it's like it's not too like permeating through the entire movie because then that's a problem <laughs> but if it's like a moment here or there that you're like yeah that probably wasn't a great choice but I think all in all, we'll we'll definitely have a few things to maybe discuss, but I think all in all, it's gonna it's gonna do it's gonna do okay. This is maybe prophetic, but we just had a small earthquake here in uh, Orange County. Ooh. Oh shit! Oh Whoa. yeah, Did oh. it wasn't worth getting up for, but it was just <laughs> notable. If we, if the five of us had any guts, any real guts. The second half of this episode would just be 45 minutes of silence and then Brett signing us off. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief, Pat. No. Or we could just talk about soap for 45 minutes. <laughs> Brett, uh, what are you going to, what do you remember slash think? I also watched just this movie life. tens of times, uh, multiples of the tens uh, when I was younger because it was one of like only a couple of movies that I ever bought myself before I moved out of the house. You know, it's just one of those like uh put it on in the background kind of kind of ones. Um 
I have a lot of thoughts about how this movie goes, and I think it's best summed up in advance what what I'm expecting because I don't want to. I just don't want to say a bunch of shit and then have color the, the rewatch for you guys. Because uh, I put some thought into this previously. Remember, we watched. We just watched Charlie Kaufman f- film. What was that? Uh, Confessions oh. of a Dangerous uh, Confessions Mind. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Um, and I feel like this is, uh, a Charlie Kaufman, uh, parable writing in which, uh, it did its job too well, uh, where it, it found a, a real problem and then wrote characters in that were bad people and who do bad things, but you're supposed to connect with them. And then later on realized that, oh, they were wrong. I guess my opinions are wrong. Like, have a, mo- a learning moment. Uh, but I think the, mo- the they made the, the chaos too appealing in this. And a lot of people were just like, yeah, the bad answer is the right answer. Uh, and so I'm, I think that's where the, the <laughs> <laughs> this movie is heading. Um, and I'm, I'm curious upon rewatching if it's apparent in the writing that, the bad answer was actually the bad answer, or if they really played it up as I remember it to be that the bad thing was cool. Uh, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm going to be paying attention to on this rewatch. Cause uh, I, we already discussed, like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love the cinematography. I'm pretty sure that uh, the soundtrack is going to be dope. Chemical brothers and uh, chemical brothers are in this. Yeah, and uh, uh, the pixies, pixies and, dust brothers, uh, dust brothers. Sorry, what did oh. I say? Chemical dust yeah. brothers. Yeah, different band. Mm. So yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm gonna like it. I actually uh, bought the soundtrack too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I listened to the soundtrack f- to this uh, a bunch, and it's a good. I think it's gonna be v- good for Hollywood, and I'm just curious about how the writing will go. But that's that. That's that. All right. Uh, so, if that's where we're going to leave it, we're going to pause the recording and go watch Fight Club and uh, f- find something else to talk about when we get back. You're doing a, co- you're doing a, a coffee shop where version of it. There it is. <laughs> a little singer-songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Do the do the <laughs> Shatner reads the lyrics without singing them. Version. I can't hit that note either. <sighs> Where would you find is if you can find a celebrity my mind. Shatner. Where is my mind? <laughs> Dude, I bet Shatner would even kick at this age people's asses. <laughs> I bet he uh I agree. yeah when Isn't I he was short. A little. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. We were we, once uh, in the same building as him. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, hold on. Does does shortness mean he can't kick someone's ass? Is, Not necessarily. Uh, well, well shortness would imply that the only thing they could kick is the ass. Okay. <laughs> but short so, people can be very wily. You know, he can get wiry in there. <laughs> so when I was in college, I went to the uh, animation awards, and uh, Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob, reenacted. Uh, the famous Star Trek fight scene with uh, Shatner, and it was amazing. Oh, that's amazing. Oh. Oh, that's Complete fantastic. with the foam oh, rock. Wow. It, it was glorious. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I watched it this year. I'm. It's slow, because I'll watch other stuff, and I, I can't watch them back to back. 
because it's definitely slower paced. I am watching the original Star Trek run for the first time ever. Um, How's it going? Yeah. There's it's there's highs and lows. <laughs> there's, yeah. Uh, That's a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> a lot of misogyny. Ooh. Uh, the man, Certainly. the male female dynamic oh, yeah. is not great. I understand it's like 40 years old, 50 years old, but it, problematic. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> try, try that again. How old is it? 50 years old? Isn't it from the old? 60s? Yeah, that, that would it be was like a seven, that would be 50 years old. That would be, that would be 50 60s. years ago. Oh, it's late 60s. I, okay. I think it was like 60. It blew my mind, though. That there were only three seasons of the original run. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's something I just would have guessed was like nine seasons, 13 oh, seasons. Because there's like 20 of Next Gen, right? Mm-hmm. There's seven. A lot, seven? Yeah. No. Welcome to the Star okay. Trek podcast <laughs> you didn't you know you were You went on a whole Boonox Saints diatribe right before we watched the movie. <laughs> It was uh, related. He he would like to beat up William Shatner. That's how we got here. <gasps> Pat, could you? Well, you could definitely beat up William yeah, Shatner. I could beat up William Shatner. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I could beat up. We don't even need the question. Yeah. <laughs> but could you beat up Ooh. Tyler Durden? Ooh, well, since he's imaginary, I suppose I could. Ooh. I, I, I believe that there's such a thing as show abs. <laughs> uh, like, Pat's got a weight advantage, and I think he mm. would absolutely destroy Brad Pitt. He's I, pretty I wiry. I don't know, man. He had some he had look impressive good. muscles. Like but that was the point. They're supposed to look they good. Do look um, <laughs> I I caught something I, I, real, real quick because this is nothing. I mean, this is just muscles. kind of a one-off. But I did catch something that because I think a big part of our conversation is going to be about like what is the movie actually trying to say versus what did ninety percent of young men take from it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> And the moment, what's what's interesting mm-hmm. is the the one time they get on the bus and they see the the underwear ad, and he's like, "Is that what a man's supposed to look like?" Literally in the next scene, you see Brad Pitt looking exactly like. <laughs> the, <laughs> literally, it cuts to him oh. standing up from a fight without a shirt, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was a trivia that that was actually his torso in the Calvin Klein ad, like because <laughs> it looks ex- it's like exactly the same shape. That's funny. That's hilarious. I didn't think about this in the pre-roll, but because I had only seen this once before, this was my first time watching it, knowing the twist at the end. Okay. And so it was super fun, mm, particularly mm-hmm. with the Marla character. To yeah, like how they navigated that. Yeah. And just oh, to like yeah. hear her reactions and everything. Like it sounds so obvious, like knowing what happens at the end. But at the first time I watched it, I was just like, I don't get it. Like, oh, they just don't like each other, you know, like they had that frenemy sort of relationship. So that was really well done. It's masterfully executed. Yeah, I feel like for the I feel like it is except for two scenes where the logic doesn't work Walks for through. me. And the first scene is, yeah, so the first scene is he gets off the plane at the airport and he's waiting. This is after he first meets Tyler Durden. And he's waiting for his luggage. His luggage doesn't show up. He looks out and he sees Tyler Durden get into a car and drive away. 
That all checks out, except he turns away from the window and then a random man runs in and says, hey, that's my car. So in that scene, the logic didn't really work for me where I was like, so what's what's really happening here? Because I think. You know what I mean? Like, how how is another person interacting with Tyler well, Durden in that, that was situation? after they took his bag. Uh, so he walked out of the building and stole a car, is how I read that. Like, you're saying he switched, he flipped, and so that was not, actually yeah. Ed Norton stealing the car. Yeah. And the Ed Norton in the... The Ed Norton in the baggage claim at that point was not there because they said like sometimes you imagine you're you watching me as you know watching yep. me, but it's um mm, that's true. I also think it might have been mm-hmm. a, a second a second red. Well, I herring. have one more for you. The first red herring is on the uh, people mover straight escalator. He Tyler, you know, he passes by and then then we see Tyler Durden mm-hmm. going the opposite direction. And I think it's just that was just meant to throw us mm-hmm. the audience off, or perhaps the figment of. Ed Norton's imagination right. coming coming to life a little bit. So my thought maybe the car stealing either was just some rando dude stealing a car and Edward Norton projected Tyler Durden's image onto this dude stealing a car, or he just imagined that whole thing, even though the guy reacted, Edward might have just been imagining that whole scenario. Oh. Also a red herring for us. What if the people mover really happened and he saw that guy in passing and was like, that guy looks cool. And then he just took that guy's look. And, and that guy is, I don't know, Steve Johnson. And that sounds like, just, what's that? The fact that I can mm-hmm. never, ever fact check because it sounds both scientific and bullshit. That the thing about like, you're, the human brain can't actually make up a face. And like when you dream, all of the faces you see are the ones you've seen in real life. You ever hear that? Oh, I think I've heard yeah, about that. that. I'd believe that. But yeah. the we actually even though the people mover had Tyler Durden, we've actually we actually saw him several times before that in those little quick little half second blurbs. So he had Tyler mm-hmm. in his mind at mm-hmm. early 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 on. Did yeah. you catch him also in the uh, the hotel welcome vi- video? It's just yes. <laughs> and I love how the guys in the white suits um <laughs> became what they were in the in the dining hall when they're going to go get the commissioner. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ash, what was your second one? Oh, the second one is the the car playing chicken scene. Um, and there's two guys sitting in the back of the car. And I can believe that he's sitting, driving the car, having a conversation with himself in his head. But the part that doesn't make sense to me is when they interject into the conversation. What are they responding to? Because they say the first rule of project may... So it's like, what are they talking... Like, what are they responding to? In I've this always scenario? thought that. I've always thought that. You that's know what the I mean? One scene, like I remember if, it's funny you say that because that's the one scene I was going to bring up too. I was like, I've always wondered what actually happened in that scene. Like, what? Yes, what? Exactly. Like, what is actually happening? And that one, I can't. I cannot come to any sort of logical. Unless he's literally vocalizing for. both sides of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think he's doing. That's what I thought. I think his, like his project mayhem soldiers all believe, all know he's kind of, cr- kind of cracked, but he's also a mad genius. So they're used to his talking with him, mm-hmm. having conversations with himself. That, that's how I took it. 
Yeah, I mean, like that's kind of the whole the whole premise mm. of Project Mayhem and the origins of Fight Club is some dudes saw a guy in a parking lot punching himself right. in the face that's right, yeah. and said, <laughs> "Heck yeah, bud!" Yeah, <laughs> which. I could totally see that being something that when when he's full on Tyler Durden, like fully Tyler Durden, not even himself watching Tyler Durden, he tells them, he's like, there are two me's in here. So I might be talking to myself. I'm just going to let you know. And I'll tell you when it's the me, you'll know mm. when it's the me that you can listen to. And then like he does at the end where he's like, he you know, probably went around to everyone who's like, all right, from this point on, I'm nobody, you don't, you know. Don't treat me like a don't treat me like the boss. Don't treat me like the leader. Anything I say doesn't count. Like I'm done after this part. Um, and he could totally tell them, like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to myself. There's like two versions of me. And, and when uh, I come down those stairs, don't tell me anything about the Project Mayhem bo- buildings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, does the movie hold up? That's a big question. What part do you want to talk about? The the Cin- cinematography do you want to talk more about psychology uh what like what's what are we going to delve into first guys who's got who's got a big topic uh i would say the one thing that it's starting to be more okay now but the one thing that would not have held up if they released this just two years later are all the buildings blowing up at the end yep this is yep. a only mm-hmm. pre 9 11 release possibility completely true there was something else yeah that was not great i have oh, a lot of problems uh, with this. i'd movie, say there actually. were three things that there were like <laughs> three things jumped out at me like mm, you know maybe you can yeah the buildings his threatening to shoot up the office or like joke you know yeah uh oh and yes then, I, absolutely I mean, mm-hmm. the whole putting uh frames from porn into movie children's movies that feels like that should that's you should go to jail for that like that uh, all the other stuff yeah. is technically it's technically illegal and, <laughs> and that could, was on the list of things that happened <laughs> oh that they said really happened yeah <laughs> i would believe that happens in portland absolutely <laughs> especially 1999 portland <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's there's all that there's I mean, there's there's a really, really, really big. I mean, there's the whole the whole male toxicity thing that I do think it's try it is trying to say is not a good thing. But there's also a huge mental health problem with this movie where it's framing someone who has a split multiple personality disorder as being a crazy bad guy. And that's kind of not cool. Like, they call him crazy, like, multiple times. And it's, like, portraying this person as crazy. And then it also, the message of just shoot yourself in the face and then you're cured of your split personality disorder (laughs) is a little problematic to me. (laughs) Certainly that Uh, (laughs) resolution. Although uh, I'm slowly coming to... to the the side of uh uh you know it's okay for people with disabilities to also be evil sometimes if it fits you know like for 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 the story but yes mm-hmm. that resolution is highly questionable the resolution <laughs> though, I was under- 
so yeah, he shoots like out that's, his jaw. That's not he's, like, how talking, it works. Like he, shoot, he just shoots out his cheek and his jaw. Like, yeah. And I had it. And he, yeah, I can't he's remember still able to how talk. it resolves yeah. in the book. It's different in Do the you book. Remember? It's different in the book. There's no shooting himself in the face in the book. It's something. The whole else. end sequence doesn't happen. No, they, yeah, they don't blow buildings. It's a whole different kind of big thing. And in the end, really, he's still Tyler Durden. He he gets locked up in a institution. And he's kind of talking to us saying, okay, everything's mm. better now. And kind of everything's kind of chill and cool. And then the staff comes to give him his dinner and they're like, you know, here's your dinner, sir. And so, you know, he's still Tyler Durden and that's how it ends. Oh, oh. And huh. the staff is like his people, like the, uh, he's still, yeah, he's still running the show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's like a dark, like he, like he thinks he escaped so it. And then they're like, that's sir. a more problematic yeah. ending than. Yeah, that's um, that's maybe worse of an ending, to be honest. Because <laughs> it's like, at least like, so like, I think the love, like, if you take the love story out of this, then, then it wouldn't work. Because like, the love story is showing, like, because he cares about Marla, and he's vulnerable to her, and he apologizes to her and says, I do care about you, it shows that he's growing as a character, right? Like, he treats her, both him and Tyler, treat her like garbage in the beginning of the film. And so it shows how he's growing and realizing that this toxic masculinity thing is not good. And he's doing the opposite of that by, like, you know apologizing and and being vulnerable in front of her um and you know and treating her completely differently but at the end of the day you still have this woman agreeing to be in this super toxic relationship that doesn't feel good either at the same time like she should walk away from this guy 100 percent yeah, well, and to no, her credit, nobody else agrees. To her okay. credit, she tries to. <laughs> yes. well, here's oh, she was kidnapped too. and brought to. <laughs> you know that in the uh, Chuck Chuck released uh, Fight Club two and three and as graphic novels. Oh. And in in, Fi- mm. in Fight Club two, Marla is kind of the villain. They're still together. They live a happy life with kid with a kid and and the white picket fence, and he's got a boring job, and she gets bored with their life. And so she swaps out his meds uh, that keep him cool for placebos. And then Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden emerges and oh. she's happy because, oh, good. Here's the fun guy. And then, of course, it goes completely out of control off the rails in even crazier ways than the movie. And wow. she has to be the Interesting. one. To, she has to be the one to rein him in. Uh, so hmm. this, is, this is controversial. Brad Pitt is charming and fun to watch and just really good at what he does um that being said it's almost a problem for the movie because if you want if you want to portray something in a way that people like Mm -hmm. oh this is the bad thing i should Mm not emulate this i should not revere this don't have brad pitt be the person doing it because it's gonna Mm -hmm. look great no matter what but yeah. isn't that That's- isn't that like the greater uh, commentary on you know stupid bullshit uh, that people believe is uh, the the dumbest <laughs> most evil shit is always the most appealing. If someone, yeah, that's kind of how it's taken as like it's wrapped up in a pretty package and yet it's going to blow up in your face. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you even made the comment 
at the beginning, Brett, where you were like, oh, it's going to portray doing shitty things as really cool. And I was going to be like, well, aren't shitty things always portrayed as being <laughs> cool? Like, this movie is not like... You know, the only movie that does that. This this does it in a very specific way that is, uh, you know, uh, Chuck, Chuck uh, Polinick hitting, hitting the wrong nail on the head, I guess. Uh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how. I, I'd love to talk to the guy about mm-hmm. his opinions on, on some of this <laughs> because uh, – you know, as he's as he's coasting through the book, the the story there, uh, even all of his small asides, not even the big stuff, just the way he regards the normal everyday people in his life as a- almost like subhuman, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- his his monologue at the beginning, the copy of a copy of a copy, and the him and Marla with the you know the people really listen to you instead of just waiting for their turn to speak. Uh, and this whole like obsession with the the mm. monotony of like all humans, and it's just like it's it, I don't know. There's it's it's a whole thing that bugs me because there's a lot of people that are really really like that, <laughs> and uh, the the funny <laughs> the the thing that makes it seem self aware in the movie is that uh, where they where they take that plot line is all these people that are bored with the monotony of of real life. Uh, and, and nobody wants to talk to you, uh, and nobody knows who you are. Join a fucking club where you don't have a name and nobody can talk about anything. <laughs> yes, the irony of it. <laughs> what do you guys think of, like, yeah, I think uh, the yeah, way totally. that really encapula- encapsulates everything is the um, Raymond K. Hessel <laughs> convenience store guy. Oh. I mean, hated that Tyler. It's so cringeworthy. So I have, but I have a problem with that scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's problematic. I mean, my my biggest problem with that scene is is that like it's not that easy for a non-white person. You know what I mean? Like, like he's like, what? What's wrong? You you just can't go to school because it's hard. Just go to school. And I was like, this is your white privilege is like screaming right now. Like it's what- not as easy. For this person, <laughs> exactly. Is go he going to go visit him? In si- is he, is he going to visit him in six weeks and be like, "Oh, you didn't do it"? Is he allowed so to here, still? So now yeah, is he allowed done. to still work when he's going to class because he might have bills to pay. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably why he's working this job. But also, like, coming to the realization that you just don't want to commit that much time to a thing is also totally fine. Like, yeah, it does have this very, like, <laughs> um, as much as it's supposed to be like anti capitalist, it's, it's kind of a like pro classic capitalism stance where it's like, Oh, certain jobs. What that's fucking who the fuck would want to do that. But it's like, well, it has to, you mean it's boomer is showing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it's like, Oh, like, Oh, you're working in this convenience store. It's like, but that, that, that needs to be done. That's a fine job that needs to be done. And it's like, or maybe it's his parents store right, and yeah. he's inherited it or, and it's a business and he's a business owner. Like, fuck yeah. God. Like, who knows, you know? Well, then the one scene when they close the bedroom door and the back of the, the... Oh, yeah. The back of the door has dozens of those licenses. 
Like, how many people are they tormenting with this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he well, says, it was a group assignment. <laughs> he says that line, like, you know, that the next day, this, the next day is going to be the best day of this guy's life. No, it's not going to be the best day of that guy's life. He's going to have PTSD for the rest of his fucking life. That poor thing is going to be traumatized about that. <laughs> are you kidding me? No. He's going to be paranoid about the next day he's planning a move. <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. He's doing. Yeah, wait. He's like, yeah. Get out of this His town. checks and balances falls through. He doesn't have to even leave that city. He's just like, like, okay, I'm just going to go to another apartment or something. <laughs> exactly. The poor thing. There's God. This... How's he going to afford vet school and a new security deposit? Like, and <laughs> yeah. breaking his lease terms. Oh, man. <laughs> See? Tyler, Tyler didn't think that through. No. I mean, that's the yeah. byline of this whole movie. Now there's there's a certain demographic of of folks though that that's like kind of the the life motto, you know the 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 bootstrappers and the the you know the like that phrase picking up picking yourself up by your bootstraps a literally impossible thing to do. Uh, yeah, wasn't it coined originally to intentionally to be like a this isn't something that can be done. It, it was meant ironically originally and then it got just co-opted like a false hope um oh interesting yeah could you really it's just a like a nonsensical thought of uh, self-sufficiency and like you can do whatever you want and succeed and like it's just think about how other people was indoor smoking that ubiquitous in 1999 i think it was it was banned by then no No i mean i don't remember really i think it depends on your state yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, because it's still legal in Nevada, <laughs> uh, so it probably yes. depends on where you are. I'm guessing they didn't. Did they ever really specify where he was? I mean, it felt like L.A., but I didn't. They didn't really They're say. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh. What really? I think they were. I think it was no. Chicago. No. no, I think it's more somewhere Midwest because back in the '90s, those those all those credit card corporations. We're in mm-hmm. uh, maybe it was St. Louis or some, it's somewhere in the Midwest. All those buildings were together in that one financial area. Or Detroit, area if he's an auto company. Midwest. Maybe oh, in Detroit. Yeah. It was one of those I Midwest towns. Google says not, Los Angeles. I know for fa- Wait, but he, there was a plane ticket to Los Angeles. And it was like you could read uh, Los Angeles and the plane tickets he was yeah. following Tyler. I thought that's what they were talking about with the uh, the line about, is Mr. Durden building an army in Miami? Well, I thought that was, there, that was where they were doing the house. Because well, he was, no, he no, was they were armies just, all over the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a Midwest, like, a Midwest, like Detroit or Chicago. Cause Lou, cause Lou, <laughs> that guy was very, cause Lou was very Chicago. Like, as <laughs> that's true. He was Wilmington, Delaware. Is where Wilmington, Delaware. Their most credit card companies and seventy percent of Fortune five hundred companies are headquartered. Lou, Lou always struck me as sort of this cartoony version of a of a shady business owner, a wannabe mafia. So. <laughs> Oh, do you in. think he's actually not connected? He just is like a dickhead business owner who wants to pretend. Yeah, I think he has got you know his little bodyguard with the gun. I just thought the, that whole scene kind of that scene bothers me because it's like, why is he going to say yes to Tyler, who's just bleeding all over his face? He's going to suddenly flip. Why wouldn't he just have his guy shoot Tyler and get rid of him? Totally, <laughs> absolutely. Of like, okay, you can you can do it here. Like, like why really? not come back? Just come yeah. back. That's going to. That I mean, line delivery is one of my favorites, though. That <laughs> I'm fucking. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. 
I mean, the only argument I could make would be that there's like a room full of witnesses or people that might outnumber them. And so therefore he didn't order him to shoot him. But I thought the exact same thing where I was like, why doesn't he just, if he is like this mafia boss guy, why doesn't he shoot There were more people in that basement than bullets in that gun. Like yes. take him yeah. do something later on, like say, okay, okay, let me go, and then later on he takes out Tyler. We never saw him again. Yeah. There's no repercussions. He was busy. No, that's true. Yeah, maybe he got. He was busy washing. Yeah, the maybe blood he off got his sick. Face. Maybe he got something <laughs> from Tyler. Yeah, true. He said, "You don't yeah. know where I've been, Lou." Oh, that the just drip. especially in a post-COVID world, that scene just like coughing and dripping oh, no, blood like, into his mouth oh, like, yeah. with that oh, <laughs> oh man that's oh even the thought see, of using no. a payphone felt really like gross <laughs> to yeah, me he's got it right against <laughs> like, his ear uh, what the yeah oh. Oh. so there's there's a really no. really uh-uh. dark moment that i don't know if any of the rest of you noticed but like so Tyler Durden says again and again, like, oh, no one's actually getting hurt. You know what I mean? Like, he says that over and over. Obviously, that's not right with the convenience store guy. His logic is wrong. But there's a moment where he's, like, cutting out newspaper clippings. And I don't know if anyone else noticed this. I rewound because I was like, did that just say what I think it just said? Performance and- artist molested. Yes. Yeah. And, like, I was like, holy shit. And like, so they're shade. sexually abusing people like how none of the like talk about toxic masculinity like what is happening yeah so uh what did the article say the headline is molested yeah but it had like quotes yeah. around molested so what do they mean what are they talking about uh, were there quotes and, around yeah, it i, I didn't so. notice that yeah <laughs> yeah and the, and then the next one was um missing monkeys found shaved mm-hmm. i'm like they're shaving monkeys they definitely were all over the gamut oh, yeah. of their, their shenanigans of like, oh, this is cheeky. To- yeah. Wow, it's yeah. mayhem. If you can predict it, then you can stop it. Lord. So he was Issues. just the Joker, Issues. right? <laughs> he laughed. He had that laugh down. <laughs> yeah. He had the Joker laugh. I wonder if he was channeling oh, the Joker when he was doing some of that. Oh, my gosh. He is the Joker. And he's got face scars now. Like... Oh, there you go. I'm shooting himself. Want to know how I got these scars? I shot myself in the mouth to kill my imaginary friend. Actually, that'd be a pretty fucked up thing to hear. That's (laughs) kind of more fucked up than anything Heath Ledger said. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah. I used to have this imaginary. Imagine it's really well. Joker's like, I used to have this imaginary friend, see, and he would always tell me to do these things. And then I didn't want to do them anymore. So I just put the gun in my mouth, which was his mouth. And I blew his brains out, which were almost my brain. Like, and it's like, holy shit. Okay. That would be fucking terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Also, like, how did he drag himself in that, like, security cam footage? He's in really There's good like shape. There's like a shot where Tyler's supposed to be. Throw himself down the stairs. He's been fighting for like year, a year. <laughs> I can believe throwing yourself down the sta- stairs. But there's like a shot the of like Tyler's shot. dragging him, you know. And then like I was like. dragging him by his hair. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, by is it hair. supposed to be like a supernatural thing then? Is it? Because I just assumed it was multiple personality disorder. But that shot makes you question. I, yeah, I think that was the idea is make us go, wait a minute. What level are we at here? Is it what is is it mm-hmm. that he's 
he believes in the in the imaginary friend so much that it, it becomes sort of real and that can do that or uh, it, was, it makes a very convincing plea for insanity when he goes to court yeah that too <laughs> it's all part of the plan <laughs> This was part of the plan so that when they do take him to um, court, he can say, see? Outside of just saying, like, that stuff was visually, like, super interesting in, in many places in this, like, uh, I could break down, like, you know, individual shots on how cool they were, but, like, I don't know, Ash, do you have any, like, directorial thoughts about I, actually, what they yeah. did with this? I mean... There's some really interesting cinematography for sure. There's a shot where we like <clears throat> like 180 pan and like from these guys and then we 180 pan to Tyler going up the stairs but he's like upside down. You know, like there's so many things that can really be like metaphors and that they did really interestingly. Like the shots where uh Marla and him are having sex and it's like the the like slow shutter effect where it's like ghost you know kind of trails is so cool uh but my attention so was actually those ones that shot in particular uh it's maybe it was obvious but it was uh cg i feel like the cg was was obvious but also like it held up more than i thought it would like i was actually pretty impressed where i was mm -hmm. like huh this actually isn't that bad but the thing that really caught my attention that I never noticed watching this film before was the sound design. And I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but like the mm -hmm. use of trains and train sounds throughout the movie are really cool and interesting. And like any time, like the first time where Tyler Durden is fighting the main character who we don't know his name and he's even credited as the narrator which is interesting um there's the sound of like a train mm -hmm. passing by and it's just building the tension and then the convenience store guy scene you hear the sound of like a train crossing going down and it just like it's very subtle and in the background but it really like builds the tension in the scene um, and so I was really enjoying like all the cool sound design elements in the film. That also kind of like plants the seeds for like he was in that loft all along at you mm. know near the train yard and near the oh uh, like, yeah all that industrial stuff. Maybe you blew up someone else's condo. Oh, interesting. <laughs> 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 like it wasn't even his. Yeah, um, but I do. I also noticed that the CG held up really well. Uh, it, and I made the note like, this is usually the point where I'm like, 1999, the year of the worst CG, but mm -hmm. this wasn't it. This was actually good. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. You know, I mean, you could still tell it, it was CG, up. but yeah. Yeah. It totally held up that zooming out of his brain it seemed like most of the cg was like stuff where either he was uh like asleep slash being tyler or uh stuff he was just full you know imagining mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. so i feel like they made it made sure that they used it on the stuff that was dreamlike uh yeah which was neat yeah totally yeah i mean yeah. despite the many uh -huh. problems with it um filmmaking wise directorial wise cinematography sound it's it's a Dare I say genius? It's just 
so exact in everything they wanted. I mean, I think they executed exactly, almost exactly the film they wanted. Mm-hmm. I totally, totally agree. I feel like with these kind of uh, experimental like premises, it's really easy for the story to be incoherent and uh, not easy to follow. And this movie is so crisp and clear. Like, if you're ever confused or unsure of what's going on, it's because the director didn't want you to know. Not because you missed, you know, some line of dialogue or missed, you know, this thing in the background. Like, it yeah, is really interesting yeah, and const- really well done. Constant Very peeve true. of the show. That was a recent episode where it was like, oh, you guys weren't, we weren't paying attention for one second and now we don't understand the whole movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had... I had a friend share with me a short film that she made and it was very vague and it wasn't clear and very artsy. And she was like, you know, what did you think? And I was like, well, I don't really understand, you know, the basic plot. (laughs) So, you know, I was like, you, you have to, and she's like, well, I wanted to keep it vague and it's just sort of about, you know, the abstract idea of this. And I was like, okay, but if you're not like clear, your audience is not going to follow it. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to have, as the director, you have to know the story, even if the audience doesn't. And so, and you, you have to always, you know, that's how films that are like, like, uh, I mean, I guess it's clear, but like the diving bell and the butterfly is a good example where like it's very abstract and like the whole thing is shot through point of view and it's a beautiful movie. But like if the director didn't know exactly what was happening in every scene, like then it would be really hard for the audience to follow. And like you may you're really piecing that movie together and figuring out what's going on. But the only way as an audience you can do that is because the you know, the director wanted you to be confused in the beginning and then you slowly figure it out over time. But the director always knew, you know, like the director always understands the clear story and and what's been happening. And so you have to have like a clear vision there for sure. I feel like a lot of the success in that too is um, like having an overhead map of your scene Mm. and being really um, consistent with your screen direction. Ooh, um, yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. that's so easy to disorient your viewers. Um, mm-hmm. And that didn't happen at all in this movie. And, like, I kept having to, like, look down and check on the baby and look back up. And, like, I knew exactly where I was. And, like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, that's for something, like, such a crazy story with so many characters. Like, it's really impressive that that was the case and the book and, is is really non-linear i mean it's it's the book is kind of all over the place lots little vignettes and it's all over so the fact that he was able to um the screenwriter is it o-l-o-h-l-s or you know u-h-l-s is his last name he just oh. honed it into an hmm. amazing script that fincher was able just to make amazing yeah oh for absolutely. sure absolutely they still played with like the non-linearness in the film by like starting at the you know at the end and it it was a bit more linear after right. that but they had an element of it. I'm curious um so Brian you've read the book Brett have you read the book? 
Yeah, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to add much. It was a while oh. ago. <laughs> I, I was just curious uh, if you have a preference from a purely like the story, the choices made in the narrative. If you like, because it's such a cliche of like mm-hmm. the book was better. I mean, there are times I really dig like uh, like an example I'm going to quote. And this might be blas- blasphemous in the comic book world. I think the boys TV show is doing a better job with that narrative Whoa. than the comic book did. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Shots fired. Comic nerds <laughs> coming from my head. Um, <laughs> but like the changes, like I am 100% there for pretty much all the changes they made for the show, um, I think have been an improvement. That's my opinion. It's my opinion. I understand. I might be looking down the business end of a pitchfork in the near future from some angry internet nerds. Um, but you can find Pat's Twitter handle uh, in the show notes. But uh, <laughs> I'm just curious, like in this, you know, purely from a because sometimes they're hard to gauge because it is you are you are processing them differently. They're very different mediums, right? So sometimes it's hard. And in, in movies, sometimes are like books. Sometimes have the advantage of we have these like emotional attachment to the characters because we've been maybe spent more time with them reading the story and we've kind of created our own version it's more cerebral too yeah right because like you're you're in their head Mm. in a book you know hearing their thoughts right Uh, so that's like a point like where books are but then movies have a point in their favor because like they look gorgeous right and then our brains our our dumb animal brains are like ooh, shiny um Well, to answer the question, I'm going to have to say, you know, it has been a long time since I read the book, but I do remember, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's, it's nonlinear. It's, it's amazing and I love it. But I think the movie, the film does a really good job with their choices and kind of cobbling it together to make it more linear and I would dare say more entertaining. Mm. If you're going for just entertainment value, I think the film does a better job. Um, for me, Chuck, I've read a lot of Chuck's, Chuck, uh, Chuck's books and they, I don't really get attached to any of the characters, but I think that's intentional. Mm. I don't find myself getting gravitating towards anybody. I, I'm just reading a good story about some interesting, weird people. Um, and I, that's okay. There's always, you know, different kind of writers for different things. So I thought the movie did a better job of making me care, especially about Marla. Um, for sure. Than the yeah, book did. I think what I remember about the book most is, you know, it's 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 just a strictly a medium difference. Is the movie I think for sure was more entertaining, uh, but leaves me with less to think about than the book. I remember reading the book and like just thinking about like, point. all the little pieces of it for so long, and the movie ends, and you're just like. Okay, I, I get, I get that. Sure, uh, like, it, but it, the, but it's way more entertaining to watch than it is to read. And that is a good point. The book does make you think longer. I will make the argument though that I think when this movie first came out, it probably made people think more. Like we're so, it's not such like a foreign idea to us now. You know what I mean? Versus when it first came out i bet it was like whoa this is mind blowing i mean you know what i mean i definitely saw the movie first mind blown i did not read <laughs> the book in 1996 when it was released when i was eight years old uh <laughs> <laughs> i hope not 
I mean, but I would be impressed if you had just from a just from a reading level comprehension. <laughs> yeah. like that's. <laughs> well, it certainly would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Oh, Brian, you have no idea it would. But I'm in the same boat as Brett. I I didn't read the book till after the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say you. I was gonna ask you if this movie and book left such a lasting impression on you because you are a screenwriter and you know, a novelist, right? Or like, do you feel like this sort of propelled you into that direction? You know, it certainly helped. In, in 99, I was just sort of playing with the idea of, oh, I could I could write a movie. Do people do that? You know, just as a <laughs> career I could do. And I think that was definitely one of the inspirations. The same year, The Matrix came yeah. out. Mm. And I saw them both within just a few months of each other. And those two combined just dazzled me and enticed me into wanting to create this area. Cause I had been just writing short stories and, a, and one attempted novel at that time. And, but that was like, I, I love, I grew up loving movies. Why wouldn't I write yeah. a movie? What's wrong with me? And so I went that direction. Nice. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people when it comes to like movie book adaptations, a lot of people have loved the, book first right and then go to the movie and you had this interesting experience of seeing the movie first loving that and then going to the book but still loving the book you know yeah i find that i'm pretty forgiving when it comes to the book versus movie so many times the movie leaves you know two-thirds of the awesomeness of a book out but i i kind of like i just forgive it just to take the movie for what it is as a separate piece of entertainment uh, and still, in mm. the back of my mind, love everything about the book of whatever it is I'm reading. That's <laughs> nice. That's kind of how I felt when I watched um, The Dark Tower when when they did that f- weird movie adaptation. Oh, and they yeah. went so far mm-hmm. out of their way to include a piece, like a visual from every book in the seven book series into the movie, but just completely walked by them. I like l- sometimes literally just like, there's that thing they're oh they're walking by that whole plot we're not gonna do that all right great <laughs> like bye they're literally walking past the plot they're just like <laughs> literally yeah that was so weird because they could have milked that oh my gosh right for seven it, they could have made seven movies i don't understand why they elba. didn't idris elba yeah, they really squandered yeah. that i mean but i also really liked the movie but i might be the only person who it was liked only the movie. 90 minutes <laughs> wait so i'm i'm sorry for being like head under a rock they the movie condensed the plot of all seven books to one movie. Not even to. They wrote a new movie with stuff that was like they yeah. didn't even have anything with to do with the, the books. Really. Like, so it really wasn't Dark Tower. The movie it was the movie inspired by Dark Tower or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, did you read those? Yeah, yeah. Did you read those? I read the first. It's like Taco Bell is, is Mexican. This is food. like blasphemous. <laughs> I read the first one. I read the first Dark Tower book. And then wasn't motivated to keep going. It's because the first one sucks. Uh, it's so bad. Okay. It's only okay. like 120 pages. And I've been reading it for like five years. Yeah. And I can only handle like 10 pages a year. It's ugh. it's really the first Ouch. one's really bad. Wow. Okay. Bad. So, so I'm not the weirdo then. We're like, no. I, no. I don't. I think it it's, peaks around like three and then kind of goes back down. But anyway, okay, well, I'm not uh, going to confess that. That's all. That's yeah. Three is really good, though. Uh, but anyway, uh. Just saying, yeah, the movies tend to leave out a lot of stuff. Um, hey, guys. Uh-huh. Would you be interested in playing a little game of LiMDB? <gasps> yeah, I thought you were going to do it. I was like, yes. we're not doing it. I don't want to. 
Yeah. Yes. I'm going to tell you three yes. facts that I got from IMDb and uh, asterisk. IMDb's led us really far astray sometimes. So it may be more than one of these is a lie, but <laughs> as for, for sure, yeah. one of these three I made up. Uh, <laughs> okay. Lay it on me. Um, Can't wait. So here, here are the facts. Uh, the ice cave scene, the breath that you see that they CG'd in there because it wasn't that cold was actually Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's CG breath from when he was dying in the Titanic. <gasps> Ooh, like they just copy pasted, reused assets, copy that's file good. paste. Okay, it's like the Wilhelm scream, <laughs> oh. but like breath. Are you, are you Leo breath. The Leo breath. <laughs> Number two, the most dangerous thing that happened while filming the movie. Uh, was the uh, six and a half ton steel ball that they did for the uh, destroying a corporate work of art scene uh, rolled off course and hit someone's car. Oh, oh boy. I could believe that for sure. Um, And number three, the book Fight Club Uh coined the term snowflake as we hear it used derogatorily today. (gasps) I believe that oh. because they said that in the movie. Yeah. I Man. I think the Indiana Jones Wait, hold on. Ball. Sam, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like your mic is working. It's because my baby's in the way. Yeah, it's not pointing oh, there at you, you go. anymore. Sorry. There we go. I know the answer, I think. Okay. Ooh. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, right. Okay. Wait, so go, la- go wait, last. Wait, wait, wait. Brian. Brian has to go last then. If he if he knows the answer. I if the Leo breath thing is not true, Brett, my heck goes off to you because that is some creativity. Like, <laughs> let me think. Oh. That is like I, I. The thing is, is the as we're, as someone who works in post, I'm like that makes total sense. Because it's like, why rebuild assets? Why not have a bank of them? Uh, I am gonna pick. You made up the the ball hitting a car thing. Okay. Yeah, that was my guess too. That is my guess as well. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, interesting. Ash, did you do a guess? Oh, I have not guessed yet. Did Sam guess? Yeah, the three of us are all on Team Ball. Hidden. Team Ball. <laughs> <On the> ball. <laughs> team, ball. <laughs> team Golden Ball. <laughs> I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess the Snowflake one, because that doesn't sound right to me. The 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 breath was from Titanic. <gasps> okay. Uh, and... The word snowflake has been used as an insult for a long time. I win! But. Oh, no, I don't win. It was, it was uh, used for the first time to, uh, in, in the book this way. So it, that, we the all fake win. fact was the ball. Um, yeah. Because the ball only weighed wow. 100 pounds because uh, they were going to do a giant heavy ball, but the, uh, they found out that the ground actually couldn't support it and they would have destroyed the entire plaza. Wow. Uh, Oh, that makes sense. So they made a hundred pound ball, which they couldn't keep on course. And they had people in VFX suits run down, pulling it on ropes towards the (laughs) building. And as it bounced down the stairs, it bounced up into the air too high to be believable. So they actually went in and had people, uh, like roto wits down to the ground while it was rolling. Uh, so there's a ton wow. of CG in that scene, and that's why it kind of looks fake, but also kind of looks real, is because it was both. Interesting. Both. That's Knowing amazing. All they went through, it actually looks pretty good. 
the end product yeah. came out pretty good. Um, the only stuff that's totally fake in that scene was the stuff that the ball hit inside the building, the chairs and the tables. But they actually crashed it through the window oh. and rolled it across the plaza. So it was pretty neat. Hmm. As a filmmaker, I was like... That sounds like the thing that would go wrong on set for sure. For (laughs) sure. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I was only trying to steer you off the course with that one, Ash. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Should we go to final thoughts? Yes, because we have burgers sitting on our table that need to be eaten. I enjoyed it. It's something, I mean, I've seen it a lot. So it's one of those things where I, I wasn't really surprised by anything. Um, there was a handful of, yeah, we've talked about things that were kind of like, eh, I don't know if this holds up, but I, it is funny because it's very much a kind of a, like a paradigm shift where it's like 20 years ago was, oh, he's got it fucking figured out, man. This Durden guy is so <laughs> cool. And now it's like, oh, this is fucking horrifying, uh, and not good. And it's also mm-hmm. bullshit because he's not, he's basically... It, it's that whole it's total like culty bullshit because like we're gonna set you free but by turning into a name a nameless slave but you <laughs> but now you're really free mm-hmm. um that's the true freedom is being one of my nameless slaves in my shithole house uh <laughs> and letting me burn your let me letting me scar your hand for life um mm-hmm. but i still had a net positive because brad pitt is just a delight whenever he shows up and he and he he just is even as a skinhead yeah. he was great even as like a charming <laughs> he turns into a skinhead I mean, he's at got the end. stubble but yeah but even as like a imaginary psychopathic terrorist he's still really charming yeah <laughs> <laughs> pat even shaved his head for this movie man crush yes this is why yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep i i I struggle with this because it I hadn't seen it in a while and it was a little surprising to me some of the stuff that we already talked about that I was like, "Oh, wow, that that doesn't feel like it holds up." But from a filmmaking perspective, this movie is very good. You know, like it's it's very well done. Um, you know, we we didn't even really talk about the acting except brian you brought it up in the beginning that you know everyone is just doing an amazing job in this film even like jared leto has like one line (laughs) or like two lines you know but he's still so good in the background um but so yeah i mean i still enjoyed it and i still thought it was a really good movie and i i walked away as a filmmaker feeling like more inspired about sound design and whatnot and you know all that but um but i it's a little hard (laughs) the things that don't hold up feel a little questionable but um but yeah overall i do think it's a good movie i'll piggyback on you ash um totally agree about the filmmaking like just really well done really great to watch to see like the creative choices that they made um as far as like the mental health stuff like i feel in the past you know 20 some odd years we've come a really long way in uh the public's perception of mental health um and while this film does not 
take the care that we would now in modern day, I think it was still really important because it brought awareness to the issue and it did um, put the audience in the perspective of somebody with a mental illness um, and kind of helping them to realize like what it feels like to be disoriented and how you can believe that somebody is there that isn't really there. Um, so I, I hope that this film at the time, while there's room to grow, um, brought a sort of sympathy and a take a walk in somebody else's shoes sort of view to audiences in regards to mental health. Yeah, even if it wasn't like a realistic depiction, it's still a perspective of like that most people hadn't considered probably. Yeah. Or, I mean, uh, there's kind of a tendency to like write, like Ash said, write people off as crazy. Um, and uh, while it did kind of veer into that territory, it definitely, um, humanized, um, people with mental illness and, gave them like a tangible kind of hurt and suffering you know right yeah so i i liked it uh i can appreciate it for its time and i was still really entertained by it we have a the baby was not there. um <laughs> i so i've had this uh, opinion uh for a long 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 time since high school uh that i just i totally understand why uh Everyone hates millennials. Um, <clears throat> like what? And uh, and I wondered. Excuse me. For a long time, I wondered to myself, like, why is why is everyone I know that's my age such a intolerable asshole? Uh, and they all share the same the same point of view. And I think it might have come from at least a nugget of it from this movie of. Uh, like a, cu- a couple of pieces. So you heard it here first, Pat. Yeah, We're I was going to say, I'm assholes. someone you know. <laughs> hey, if you, <laughs> if you, if I'm going to say a few things, and if you identify with them, then you know it's no, you. No, I know. It says more about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, w- number one, uh, th- this concept of having your head so far up everyone else's ass about, like, the way they're living their life. Um, and, that's kind of like the core of this movie is I don't like the way that everyone's living and like it may, you know, I'm sad about it. And therefore everyone else in the world is trash and garbage because of my opinion is like such bullshit that, you know, there's the, there's just, there's a lot of shit that is in this movie that I don't like about people that I know a lot of people who are this. And, uh, and I fucking, I just, it, you know, you see it and you say, wow, we all watched that in high school and we all grew up to be that fucking person. And like, Ugh. so, uh, that said, uh, Ch- Chuck Polnick, maybe you ruined the world. I don't know. Um, but that said, I really liked watching this movie. Oh, you're still digging the hole. It's so good. Still digging. Oh, Someone get this man a podium okay. to pound on. It's such a good movie. Uh, I want to watch it again sometime, not right away, but uh, it's it's a fun ride. Uh, it's knowing all the twists and turns doesn't diminish the story at all, which is uh, unusual for my rewatchings. Uh, 
I feel like a lot of times I've, I think I did this recently that we watch a lot of movies where I only want to watch it once ever. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I could watch this one again. If somebody was like, let's watch fight club. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, we talk a lot about Brad Pitt's likableness, um, and the, the charisma of the pit. Uh, but I noted while watching this, uh, just how believable every moment of Edward Norton's whole inner struggle was. Uh, mm. and, mm-hmm. uh, I, like the scene yes. where he beats himself up in front of his boss is a super ridiculous, but B like the, the look on his face. I'm just like, Oh, like he's doing this right now. Like, Oh, uh, so uh, this <laughs> yeah. acting was, uh, <clears throat> great in this. Everyone did a good job. And I think that's why it's, it feels, it, I can't think of another word other than impactful, but like it hit me as just like, dang, like I'm in this world. I'm in for the ride and I enjoyed it. It was a good, it was a fun watch. Oh, you enjoyed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, man, that was like. <laughs> swings back around. Wait, despite, but that, that's a testimony to the movie that you can be this critical of it and then still say, you know what? I enjoyed it though. And I'd watch it again. I love a lot of things that I hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love hate. But it's funny that you touched on the. Uh, people babies it's it's interesting that you touch on the generational aspects of it the uh millennial perspective is where i coming i'm gen x and i came in watching it when my mid to late 20s and the scene where he's given the speech about the jobs you know we were we all grew up being told we're going to be this and we're going to be that and i see you know people pumping gas and slaves white calls generation x took it as yeah i am pissed you know, we were, we were sold this, we were going to be this and we're not, and we are pissed. And so it kind of like, was like, oh yeah, but, but we still saw enough of, uh, Tyler to go, oh yeah, that guy's bad. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say for me, it holds up still overall. There's definitely cringeworthy moments that we've discussed in depth. Um, and some stuff that we really wouldn't hold up today, especially uh, great points about, the, the viewpoint of mental health and mental illness in the country now, like you, this movie wouldn't be made today because now in the, when Edward Norton goes to his doctor, he would be like, Hey, you just need a good night's sleep. He'd be like, well, let's get you on a sleep program and let's get you, let's get some look, let's look at this. Let's get your head examined. Let's just cat scan and let's do some meds. It wouldn't be just like, yeah, you need a good <laughs> yeah. night's sleep. Like what the, yeah. what, you know, what you the, say this movie I mean, wouldn't be made just, today, but Detective Pikachu, the bad guy's motivation for being evil is literally that he's handicapped. And hey, I love that movie, but it's problematic. Ah. Also, yeah. <laughs> I I need to go back and watch that again. I love that movie and I'm like, wait a Societally, minute. Societally, oh, we may I have made it. strides medically. Totally love it. But uh I just think back to uh, like, medically, yeah. Like what uh, <laughs> it was last year, I think. I went into the doctors with uh, a, a list because uh, you know you have to make an appointment like a month out and i was like i got three things to talk about and the doctor was just like you can tell me one and then schedule another appointment i ain't got time for you and i was like shit all right <laughs> wait really Ouch. yeah yeah wow i don't know that's bad that's not so, good at all yeah, it's, you have yeah, a shitty doctor your doctor sucks it's, he wasn't yeah, my normal doctor, shitty doctor. Was, yeah yeah you, you have the doctor uh, from Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. That guy is saying that person exists. Actually, that doctor is a fucking dick. Cause it's like, I hate that thing. It's like, just because there are other people who are in pain, arguably more pain, it doesn't mean that this person in front of you is not also in pain and suffering. Exactly. It's like, 
other exactly. people's pain doesn't like, negate. I'm pretty sure you could yeah. die from not sleeping yeah. by crashing your car or like making some sort of bad decision because you're so tired. Like, I'm pretty sure you right. can actually thing. die. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, you so were still you were still giving your rap. One. That doctor is the real villain of the movie because <laughs> if he had done his fucking medical duty and taken care of his patient, he wouldn't have manifested <laughs> Tyler Durden, and then none of this would have happened. Problem Thank solved. Exactly. That medical system. So, <laughs> that's pretty much my summary. It was it's problematic uh, based on other things we talked about, but I still enjoyed it because oh my god. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Did everyone go? Was that it? Yeah, I started. You rambled so long that you forgot. I didn't even well, say like half of the stuff I was going to talk about either. That's okay. It's okay. We need to end it. That's going to be Patreon uh, exclusive. <laughs> Brett Rants. That's a Patreon reward. <laughs> Brett Rants. Just <laughs> I, you know, you give me a topic, to I can that. talk for an hour. I about guarantee anything. you, there is a market out there for people wanting to hear Brett just fucking go off. And <laughs> there's. <laughs> I mean, tweet at me if you want me. If I will you want say Brett back rants, when we used, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Back when we used to do let's drink, all the comments were, "I love Brett." <laughs> <laughs> and all um, I did was rant yeah. about random stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I gave you a platform to complain. That's <laughs> what that show was. Yeah, drink up and talk. Good, good show. Um, <laughs> yes, let's end the show. That was Fight Club. Brian, would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can fund you, and most importantly, how they can love you? Oh, oh that's easy. I tell you. Um, first, I, <laughs> I, I, inter- I love interacting on social media. You can find me uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all under at author Brian Fitzpatrick. Um, you can go to my, my main hub, my website of brianfitzbooks.com. And Metcraft and Metcraft Disruption are both on Amazon right now uh, in Kindle paperback. And the first Metcraft has got an amazing audio book that I was very lucky enough to get a award-winning narrator to do. She kills it. So I encourage everyone to go to Amazon and check out the sample that she has on there. It's amazing. Very exciting. I'm going to download the sample right now. (laughs) Right now. Wait, how do you spell it? Oh, yeah, that's my turn. <laughs> um, and you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Let's Rewatch, where we do fun things like a movie poll, where you guys get to pick the movie like you did here. And uh, if you don't pick the movie, then I tweet a still from it and see if you guys can guess it. But that didn't happen this time, Mitch, because you already knew what the movie was going to be, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Did he guess anyway? <laughs> no, but he's complained before that I haven't posted it when I was like, it's a movie poll. I'm not going to post it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you liked our podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and tell your friends. We need more listeners, please. We are part of the CertainPOV.com network of shows. Head on over to CertainPOV.com or check out our newly revamped, redesigned Discord. With uh, It's real slick. 
But check out, yeah, just go to the website. It's got links to all that. And check out some other great shows like Another Pass, which I'm going to be on, or maybe I just was on, depending on when this episode comes out, because I was so inspired by our Shadow episode that I texted Case and said, I have to come on Another Pass and talk about the Shadow, so we're going to do that. (laughs) Um, I also, can I jump in, was also on Another Pass, but for their special episode where they talk about a movie that Course Corrected and did good. And I talked about how to train your dragon. Oh, yeah. I listened to that. It was great. It was oh, fun. thank you. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And then also some of the other great shows like Circle of Friendship, CPOV Autographs, Comics Quests, Men of Steel, Judging Book Covers, Let's Rewatch, whatever that is, Reignite, The Real Movie <laughs> Critic versus The City Guys, Green Snark, Saturday Morning Confidential, and a couple, a bunch, a bunch of others, all helmed by very kind, delightful, and talented people. And if you really, really like our show, please support us on Patreon so we can maybe get paid. Oh, yeah. Join us next time when we watch the 1978 masterpiece, Science Ninja Team Gotcha Man, the movie. Oh, that That sounds sounds fantastic. POV. Certain POV.com.